We bless God. In a moment, I would want to bring a sermon. Mm. I don't have a title for this sermon, so I'll call it Let's Talk About Marriage. Okay. Tell your neighbor, let's talk about marriage. Let's talk about marriage. Why? Because today is a special day for the marriage between Steve and Anama. Am I right? All right. So, before they go for the legal aspect of the marriage in terms of signing of uh, certificates and what have you, it's needful that we bring the word of God that will also encourage the union as well as those who are already married and especially those who are also contemplating marriage. Hallelujah. Amen. Shall we pray? Our Heavenly Father, we thank you. Speak to us through your word. Inspire understanding by your spirit. May we receive the word of God that will build us and that will give us an inheritance among them that are sanctified in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody say amen. Amen. Let's talk about marriage. Somebody has rightly defined marriage as a covenant relationship between a man and a woman which has binding aspects and goes with some form of responsibilities. Let me say that again. Marriage has been rightly defined as a covenant relationship which has binding aspects. They are binding aspects to the relationship. And then it goes with some form of responsibilities. Of course, we cannot use this service or this marriage ceremony to talk about all there is to marriage. But at least with this definition, let's look at some aspects of marriage. We say what? It's a covenant relationship. Someone say a covenant, covenant relationship. Relationship. It's not just a relationship that came to be, but the two, that is man and a woman. Please, I didn't say man and man. Mm. Neither did I say woman and woman. And in fact, neither did I say boy and girl. There's a difference between a boy and a man. And there's a difference between a girl and a woman. It's a covenant relationship between a man and a woman. And it has binding aspects and it goes with some form of responsibilities. There are three major relationships to all human relationships. Three major relationships. The first human relationship is what I call the dependent relationship. Everybody, including our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, was born into this world being dependent on some parents, some guardians, or whoever took care of you. Anybody who was born and then you started doing everything all by yourself, I doubt. So, Relationship starts from dependent relationship where you are dependent on a guardian, a parent, a mentor, a teacher, a tutor, somebody you look up to. And all of us were born into that first level. Everyone who was born into this world started from there. But as we grow physically and especially as we grow mentally, as we grow socially, as we grow psychologically, 
as we grow spiritually, it is important that we grow also through various phases of independence. Someone say independence. Independence. In other words, as you grow, especially, let's say, a lady, a young girl, when she starts menstruating, definitely at that age, she is not working. So, ideally, mother and father may buy, let's say, sanitary part for such a girl. But as you grow and you are in your final year of university, as a, as a, as a, as a grown-up lady, if you are still expecting mama to be buying sanitary part for you so that she'll pack it for you before you go to university, chances are that you are not maturing. Am I right? Yes. What am I saying? As such a young lady grows, she is expected to grow through some phases of independence where it's not everything she is expecting mama to do for her. And the same goes with a young boy who grows. Father is guiding you. Father is giving you instructions, guidance. As you grow, there comes a time where it's not your father who is supposed to iron your clothes for you before you go to school. As you grow, you are expected that somewhere along the line, now you will learn how to wash your own things, iron your own things, even cook your own food. That is independence. Now, at the point where you are fully independent, in other words, you believe that at this level, I can be independent of mama and daddy. Not because you don't need them. Not because you want to do away with them completely, but because now you can stand on your own. That is when we say a boy has become a man and a girl has become a woman. Is that right? All right. So, there are so many people who may grow age-wise. Maybe the person is 40, but it's still sucking breast from, I mean, sucking breast milk from mama. Such a person, though he is 40, he's not a man yet. He's still a boy feeding from mama's kitchen. He's not gotten to the place of independence yet. And such a person, if you put him into marital union with a woman, he may be a burden to the woman instead of being a blessing. Am I communicating? Alright. So we say marriage is a covenant relationship between a man and his woman. What are we talking about? As you grow through various phases of independence, you come to the place where you are you like Steve and Anama, they have come to the place where they can live independent of mommy and daddy and they can do well. And that is the state they have got into. But here is a case when two independent people, in this case, we are talking about a man and a woman, when they decide to bring marriage before God, it's not an ordinary relationship. There are various relationships. For instance, the third level where marriage belongs, which is interdependence. Someone say interdependence. Interdependence is also found in the corporate world, in the business world. People put their efforts together. Two are better than one and they yield better results than as individuals. Yet, what makes marriage unique and honorable amongst all. Bible says marriage is honorable amongst all. In other words, of all human relationships, the highest honor is conferred on the marital union. Why God allows the marital union to be first among all human relationships is simply because marriage is the only union, the only relationship that operates or can operate at the highest level of interdependence. Let me explain interdependence and you get what I'm talking about. Interdependence is where two or more people, I'm talking about in the corporate world, Mm-hmm. let's say in the business world, two or more people come together to put their efforts. One has IT knowledge, one has physical knowledge. Let's say 
hard work. One has financial input. One has this. And they put the efforts together to do business and get greater results than they would have done as individuals. And so in business, in life, we find various levels of interdependence. But in the marital union, the interdependence is where the two makes a covenant. The two make a covenant. Let me put it that way. Are you there? It's not just a relationship, but it's a covenant relationship. A covenant is an agreement. We are agreeing, sealed by the presence of God. And that's what we have done here today. The presence of God. We have brought God into the relationship. So it's a serious business. It's not something you take in unadvisedly. It's not something you just get up and say, okay, I'm also going to marry. It's an agreement that me as a man, you as a woman, we are putting our efforts together and we are doing that in the presence of God and holy witnesses like today. And we are going to operate this relationship at the level of interdependence. Someone say interdependence. In other words, we are bringing the relationship to the level where I depend on you. You depend on me and we have agreed to do so mutually. Someone say mutually. Mutually. That is collective efforts from both the man and his wife. It's not like the man says, I'm depending on you, but the woman still chooses to be independent. It doesn't work in marital relationship. We are talking about marriage. Are you there? It's not like the woman chooses to be submissive to the man, but the man chooses to live anyhow, just like he was before the marriage. It doesn't work that way. It's an agreement where we have decided that we're going to work at interdependence. And I'm going to show you a scripture in, in, the, in, in Genesis chapter 2 that describes interdependence. Genesis chapter 2. Turn your Bibles with me if you have your Bible here. Well, let me read Genesis 2, 24 into 25. A picture of what interdependence really is. Genesis 2. Let me take from 22. He says, Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. For your information, a woman is also like a man. The difference is that she has a womb. So it's a womb man. That is why it is strange for a man and a woman to come to a man and a man to come together in this transgender generation. Where the man says that because I have changed my sexuality, I can also cultivate a womb. It doesn't work like that. Hallelujah. Verse 23 again. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called womb man because she was taken out of man. Therefore, verse 24 says, therefore, a man shall leave. That is independence. The man has gotten to the place of independence. He shall leave his father and mother because he's now independent of the parents. That doesn't mean that he can now write his parents off. But it's like, I can live independent of you and be okay. Leave his father and mother and be joined. The King James says, and cleave to his wife. Until there is true living, there cannot be true cleaving. And be joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh. Verse 25 is my emphasis. It gives us a picture of interdependence. Bible says, and they were both. Take note of the word both naked 
The man and his wife and were not ashamed. Say they were both. Both naked. Naked. The man and his wife. The man and his wife. I thought that when they said, when scripture said they were both naked, he could have gone ahead to say, and they were not ashamed. But why did scripture still emphasize that the man and his wife? So that somebody will not go and misquote God. And maybe he was talking about the Godhead. You know how we can we can use things to justify our our negligence. So for you to know that God was talking about the man and his wife, he said they were both naked, comma, then he said the man and his wife. He's emphasizing something that you must take note of. It's not about the man being naked and the woman is still clothed. It's not about the woman being naked and the man is still clothed. Here he's talking about physical nakedness. So interdependence begins with, I'm talking about the marital interdependence. Is physical nakedness. Someone say physical nakedness. Nakedness. And they were not ashamed. In other words, I am ready to open up fully to you. Mm. Just as the man also is ready to open up fully to his wife. The two have agreed that we want to open up to each other. And in openness, there's vulnerability. What did I say? In openness, there's what? Vulnerability. Meaning that as I open myself to you, I am also vulnerable to you. I am ready for you to see all my potentialities and all my weaknesses. There is nothing to hide any longer. That is interdependence. And what makes marriage unique from all other interdependent relationships is that there is no interdependent relationship in a corporate world or in the world out there where everything is open. You may be open in business, but you may not be open in terms of your social life, your private life, your spiritual life, even your struggles. But in the marital union, there is nothing to hide. I dare say that there are some people who are better off when they get to independence to stop there. Can I say that again? I say, I dare say that there are some people who are better off at independence, like Paul the Apostle. He said, I wish that everybody was like me. Yet, not everybody has the gift of being, I mean, having self-control. So, those who cannot control themselves, let them marry. For it is better to marry than to burn. It's better to marry than to mess up your moral life. But there are some people who are better off at independence because the day they say they are going to be interdependent, that is the day they don't know the difference between independence and interdependence. Many people go into the marital union but still want to become independent of the other. It doesn't work like that. Interdependence revolves around openness, transparency, trustworthiness, communication, True love, true affection towards the other, each other, being ready to accommodate the weaknesses as well as the strength of the other. That is interdependence. I'm open to you. I give myself to you. Like they have just said. People say this at the altar, but they go to the marital I mean, home and they do otherwise. We are talking about marriage. Are you there? We say marriage is a covenant relationship between a man and his wife. There's a covenant that has been made today and I believe as witnesses we can take you from it that God requires between husband and wife openness. 
transparency, being vulnerable to each other. I don't have anything to hide. I'm ready to pour out my heart and you are not going to use my weakness against me. That is the point. Because the essence of the interdependent relationship is said that whether it is weakness or strength, we are putting our efforts together to get greater results than we would have achieved as individuals. Because two are better than one. Bible says because they have a good reward for their labor. Two are better than what? They are one. That is what has happened today. So marriage is a covenant relationship between a man and his wife which has binding aspects. I cannot talk all about the covenant relationship. I'm just giving you just a picture. But the second aspect is that it has binding aspects. Someone say binding aspects. Binding aspects. Marriage has binding aspects. What does that mean? In other words, there are some things you are bound to do. So long as you say, I do. I can give you just two examples. One on the side of the man and one on the side of the woman. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22, the Bible says, Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as to the Lord. In other words, the wife is bound to submit to her own husband. Please take note. I didn't say to every man. But to what? To her own husband. There are, are people in society who put down women and look down upon women and believe that every woman must submit to a man. It does not work like that. Am I communicating to those who are dictators mm, yes. and bullies and believe that you are a woman? Submit. Who told you so? Bible didn't say every woman submit to every man. He said, wives, submit yourselves to your own, not to every husband, but to your own husbands as to the Lord. So the wife is bound. It's a binding aspect to marriage. Bound to submit to her own husband. Bound. What does it mean to submit? It means to bring your mission under the mission of the man. Certainly, it means that the man has a vision and therefore is on a mission. So, you, the woman, you might have also had a vision and therefore you also have a mission. But two hairs don't, I mean, there cannot be two hairs in the same organization. Any animal with two hairs is what? It's a monster. So, if you find a marital home where you have the man and his wife both heads, you are having a monstrous home. So, he says, in order not to have Two heads in the union and in order to have a common line of communication and governance in the home, the head of the man is Christ. But the head of the woman is the man. So wife, don't compete with your husband but bring your mission under the mission of your own husband. And let me tell you, some women are not ready to do that. And in fact, some wives are not ready to do that. And our advice is that people remain independent. And to say, I do. Because there you say, I do before God and these witnesses. And then you go home and say, I don't. Am I communicating? Yes, sir. Likewise, the husband is bound. According to Ephesians chapter 5 verse 25, he says, husbands, love your wives. And just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. The husband is bound. To love his wife. 
Just as Christ loved the church, do you remember Romans 5, 8? The Bible says God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So the husband is not going to wait for the woman to be perfect before he loves his wife. He loves his wife just as Christ loved the church. The woman may not be perfect, but love covers multitude of sins. So your love becomes a covering. Because of your love, the mistakes of your wife isn't seen outside there. The quarrels are not heard outside there because your love becomes a covering. You are bound to love your wife. And the woman is bound to submit to her own husband. Marriage is a covenant relationship which has binding aspects and it goes with some form of responsibilities. I'm just giving you highlights of what marriage is all about. We are talking about marriage. Someone will say, so what are the responsibilities of the husband and the wife? I said, it goes with some form of responsibilities. Do you know what? Every home and their peculiarities, every society and their norms. So, if I stand here and say that the responsibility of the man is this, and the responsibility of the woman is this, I may be wrong. Why? Because if the husband and his wife define and find out that I am bound as a husband to love my wife and I'm bound as a wife to submit to my husband, that alone will help the two to identify their responsibilities. If you are bound to love somebody, what, what can you do? That means you provide. Is that not so? Because love, greater love has no man than this, that a man should lay down his life for his friends. So if you truly love your wife, you will be the one that will, that will provide for the home. You will be the one that will go and bring bread like they say, the man is a breadwinner. I know that in our society, in this modern society, women are also out there, also gaining bread. They are also bringing bread. Mm. But the point is that it does not stop. It does not stop the marital union from working as God ordained it to be. It still makes the man the one to love his wife and mm. therefore to provide. Jeez. And it still makes the woman. I will show you a scripture that tells us the the responsibility of a wife in the home. And that scripture will help us to also identify the responsibility of the man in the home. First Timothy chapter 5. I'll show you that scripture quickly. First Timothy 5 14. And I wish that every woman who is preparing to marry will hear this one. And every woman who has married will also hear this one. And especially the newly wedded couple will also hear this one. 1 Timothy 5.14 Paul writing to Timothy says Therefore I desire that the younger widows the King James says the younger women so here even widows is giving them in other words if somebody is a younger person don't accommodate the person as a widow because Paul actually told Timothy that such people when their passion increases for men they will go back and marry so don't accept them as widows but I like the King James rendering of this verse. It says, the younger women marry, bear children, manage the house, give no opportunity to the adversary to speak reproachfully. Hallelujah. Let's, let's hear what scripture is telling the, the wife. He said, I desire that the younger women marry, bear children. That is why it is strange in this transgender generation for a man and a man to be put together and then they say that, okay, the other one will also get a womb to also bear children. 
Does it happen? It doesn't happen. It's strange. It's in contradiction to scripture. And it's an error. And let's not follow that generation. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's follow the generation that believes in scripture and make God's word the rule of our homes. Amen. I desire that the younger women marry. Number one, bear children. So you will bear children in the name of Jesus Amen. Christ. Amen. I prophesy. Jesus. You have married. You will bear children. Amen. Then it says, guide the home. The King James says, guide the home. How did the New King James put it? I'm reading from the New King James. The New King James says, manage. Manage the house. What does it mean to manage the house or to guide the home? Can I ask? It means to be a homemaker. Someone say homemaker. Homemaker. Oh yes, the woman, the wife. Here I'm referring to wife, not just a woman. But the wife, ideally, scripturally, from what we've just read, is the homemaker. If you come to a home and there is no home in the house. I read an article when I was young, a tract. The title was, is there a home in the house? So you can have a house, but there is no home in the house. If we walk into Mr. and Mrs. Yabua, that's the name, right? Brafu Yabua's home. And there is no home in the house. Who are we to blame? The woman. Because scripture says that she is supposed to guide the house, manage the home. Listen, the flip side is also equally true. If the woman is supposed to guide the house and manage the home, it means the man must go out outside the house and bring provision. Am I communicating? Yes, sir. Of course, in our modern society, both men and women are working. So, like I said, you cannot put a hard and fast rule on responsibilities. But then, by mutual effort and by mutual understanding, knowing their roles, they can do that side by side. There are times where the woman will bring the provision and the man may help at home. Because I love you. That's why I'm helping at home. Not because I'm a fool. Are you there? Yes, sir. Alright. So it goes with some form of responsibilities. But let me end with this. Let me end with this. There's a scripture in 1 Corinthians 7. I'll show you that actually describes what the marriage covenant or the marital union and what marriage really is supposed to be. I'll end with this because of time. 1 Corinthians 7. Let me end with 1 Corinthians 7. We are talking about marriage. From verse 1 of 1 Corinthians 7, it says, Now concerning the things of which you wrote to me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. Nevertheless, because of sexual immorality, let each man have his own wife. Please, I hope you heard that. Not his own wives. But let each man have his own wife and let each woman have her own husband. Let a husband render to his wife the affection due her and likewise also the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. Other version says the husband does have his rights. And likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does have her rights. What is scripture telling us here? I'm, I'm summarizing what we're talking about as far as marriage is concerned. And this is my last statement. Listen. If in the marital union, the wife does not have authority over her own body. Take note. I hope when you are independent, you know it's your own body. But God is saying that when you move from independence to interdependence, 
you cannot say, after all, this is my body. The man does have his rights to your own body. Likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body. Before marriage, Steve could have said, that after all, it's my body. I can go wherever I want to go and come back where I want to come. But at this juncture, the wife has her right to the man's body. So what does that tell us? In the marital union, in the covenant relationship at marriage, what happens is that the man and his wife move from where they use the language, it's my house, it's my car, it's my bank account, it's my money. They move from that to, it's our house. It's our bank account. It's our money. It's our children. It's not like some people, there are some tribes that say it's my children. The children that have been born. A woman carries a womb, a, a child in the womb for nine months, brings forth, and the man says, It's my child. What do you mean by that? It's our children. It's our children. Who gave that tribe that right to say that the woman is a non-entity that she brings forth after nine months and then the child is the man's child? What are you talking about? It's our children. The only time you are permitted to use mine in the marital union is when you say my husband or my wife. There are some families you go and then say, hey, our wife. There is nothing like that. It is this wife, not our wife. I'm talking to in-laws here. You don't hey, go to the home of Mr. and Mrs. Yabua mm, and say, our wife, mm, our wife, come and cook for us. Who hey, told you so? It is this wife. Yes. Not our wife. Hey. Let's talk about marriage. Yes. I'm ending my message. All these things will never work if God is not involved. Because he is the author of marriage. Yes. He started it in Genesis 2. Anybody who wants to run marriage outside of God, it's like trying to run a vehicle where you are supposed to put fuel, diesel or petrol, and you say you put which one? Engine oil. No, 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 engine oil. Engine oil is better. A jingle, you know a jingle. <laughs> you know, palm nut oil. Then you put it in the diesel compartment or the fuel compartment and say you're going to run. It won't work. Because some laws must be obeyed. So if we want to help our brother and sister, Mr. and Mrs. Yabua today, let's pray that they will make God's word the rule of their home. And that all of us who are aspiring to marry and those who are married, we will remember that marriage is a covenant relationship between a man and a woman. It has binding aspects and it goes with some form of responsibilities. May the Lord help us all Amen. to achieve wonderful marriages. Amen. Those who are already married Jesus. and those who are, I mean, are yet to marry and mm. particularly the couple today, mm. may they achieve a blissful marriage, Amen. a happy marriage, Amen. yielding better results than Jesus. they would have achieved as individuals in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. And everybody say, Amen. Amen.